Hello world, welcome to another episode of Mr. Speaker Speaks, the show that stimulates, educates, and rejuvenates your mind by way of interactive dialogue and deep conversations. Visit me on the internet at vincenttedwards.com and join the online community at vincentondemand.com. And that's where you can get exclusive access to seminars, training, audio, videos, and products to help you pivot into your purpose with power and precision. Today's program is brought to you by Program Success, your source for professional news and information. Program Success spotlights the success of individuals who have excelled in their arenas of expertise in order to inspire, encourage, and enhance the lives of others aspiring greatness. More information is available at ProgramSuccess.net. Program Success, the name says it all. My guest today is Dr. Keisha Gaither, and we're going to talk about pregnancies in the midst of a pandemic. What's working, what's not. But like always here on Mr. Speaker Speaks, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we come to you to say thank you. Thank you for all that you've done and all that you continue to do. For you are the only true and living God, the great and mighty God. Now, Lord, I just ask that you take control of this conversation today as we talk about pregnancies here on Mr. Speaker Speaks. God, open up the ears of our listening audience so that they may learn something that's beneficial. For you said your people perish for lack of knowledge. And today we're going to share knowledge, a wealth of information, a wealth of information and knowledge that can be beneficial to someone. And God, I just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our inspirational verse today comes from Psalm 127, 127 and 3, and it reads, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. My guest today is Dr. Gaither. She is a double board certified physician in OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine and director of perinatal services at NYC health. And she works in the Bronx in New York. And today she is here to share with us her insights and unique knowledge with regard to births. Dr. Gaither, welcome to Mr. Speaker Speaks. Well, thank you, good sir, for having me. Thank you. Oh, Great it, introduction. Oh, it is it's a pleasure. And I, I really want you to talk about you and share your story. What inspired you to enter into the world or the field of medicine? Well, I will say that I kind of came here knowing that's what I wanted to do. Um, my My parents tell me that at the age of four, you know, most most kids are saying they want to be a princess or a fireman, but I was very clear I wanted to be a surgeon. Um, and, and still, my parents have little stuffed animals, which which are clear that I, I, that was my my uh, pathway because, you know, they're little surgical marks and, and sewings on all these little stuffed animals. But um, I, say, I would say I love medicine because it just keeps your mind stimulated um in my particular field of high-risk obstetrics you know every day is a different day it's a different challenge and it just kind of keeps your mind active 
Um, I, I deal with, for the most part, a relatively young population, and a birth still holds the charm and the wonder that it did from the first time I did it. So um, it, it's just a great field. Wow, that's just wonderful, knowing your purpose at an early age. So did they spend a lot of money on stuffed animals when you were growing up? <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> My goodness. So, so you had the scalpel. Did, did, did you have some assistance where they could just pat your head and you say scalpel and, and I'm going to close and open? and all? Did you have assistance or were you a solo? They must have they must have done something like that because my mother still has two stuffed animals in particular that I had since, you know, I guess I was three or four years old. And there's little, you know, sewings all over these little animals, which is amazing. That's all I can say. So I, I'm sure she was around to help me with the needle and thread. I have no doubt about that, <laughs> knowing how protective she was. But, I mean, just the fact that I was doing that at such a young age is, is really interesting at best. Yes, indeed. And, and so, you know, all, all the, the fields uh, of medicine, all the specialties that are out there and available, why OBGYN? Well, it's interesting that you asked that. Um, I initially started out wanting to be a pediatrician, and then when I went to medical school, um, they put me on a pediatric rotation dealing with cancer patients, and that kind of turned me off. My next rotation after that was OBGYN, and they put me with a very renowned gentleman, Dr. Shiraz Sundarji who was a perinatologist. So, Dr. Sunerjee, if you're listening to this broadcast, please know that you really inspired me. So I followed that poor man around just like a duckling behind its mother. Um, it was just fascinating. Um, there's so many facets to perinatology. You, you can uh, just do ultrasound prenatal diagnosis, um, you can do invasive procedures, you can do surgery, um, you can just do the clinical aspect, you can do research, you can get into the genetic part of it. It's, it's just a fascinating um, uh, field of medicine for me. The patients, for the most part, are young, um, and there are just so many facets to it, you know. It just keeps your mind occupied. There's, it's never a dull day, and it's never the same thing. Uh, during the day or as the days go by. Wow. That's Something a lot of different. It's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I only have one, <laughs> one, you know, one real interaction with, with OBGYN is when my wife was pregnant with our only son, you know, and he'll be 21 coming up soon. But, you know, I, I went wow. to the, to the, to the doctor visits and all that stuff, but it was, it was just pretty much straightforward for her and us until, you know, she, um, got ready to deliver and that's a whole mm -hmm. another deal i mean i was like Ugh, 22 hours of labor <laughs> and she will never let him <laughs> um for, forget that mm -hmm. i'm sure yeah so high risk why there rather than just dealing with you know i'm just gonna call it regular babies being born being a generalist well for me that's kind of boring um i i like 
uh, the challenge of different things going on with different patients. I mean, you know, I've got my diabetics, I've got my patients who have HIV, I've got my patients who have sickle cell anemia, I have my patients that have cardiac issues. So it keeps it keeps you on your toes, and it's it's not boring because there's always something different every day. You know, different patients with different things. Um, one might have a, you know, uh, an underlying uh, heart issue. Another one might have might be carrying a baby that has a, an anomaly. Another one might be carrying triplets. So, you know, it's, it's triplets. Oh my goodness! Triplets, yeah. <laughs> triplets are fun. Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> not not so much fun for the mom. That's what I was about to birth. say. That's yeah. what I was about to say. But for you, but, it's like, you oh know, my goodness. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So, um, I, I just I just kind of love what that what I do. It's it's a different challenge every day. It's never dull. Wow. That's for sure. You sound like you really love what you do so much to the to the effect that it's not light work, even though it is. And I always tell people when you when you're dealing with your passion and that which you love, it's not like work at all. Um, no, that's what it, it sounds like, you know, for you, you know, COVID-19, you know, pre-COVID, how how were birth rates? Were they, you know, pretty steady? Um, They were pretty steady. Uh, certainly, uh, months after COVID hit, um, I'm seeing the effects of it at this point. We, we're, we're in a boom right now. Babies are popping out all over the place. So, um, it's not to, to be, uh, unexpected. Um, but the birth rate, I would say just viewing it at this point in time, the birth rate has certainly gone up. So will we have a, a, another baby boom? You know, because I think I'm classified in that area of baby boomers. <laughs> so will yeah, this, will this be another, what, what, what are they going to call it? The COVID-19 boom? <laughs> yeah, they, definitely. And, and you know, along with the, the boom, the interesting names that are coming out, you know, COVIDA, Corona, and so forth and so on. So <laughs> oh my it, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting at best. So with the lockdown, everybody working from home, spending more time together, I mean, and more pregnancies, have there been more complications? And and I know simply because the number of births increase, you know, you'll have a, another rise in complications. But because of COVID, have there been more uh, pregnancy complications? Um, unfortunately, yes. Uh, pregnancy in and of itself confers a state where the mom's body, uh, the immune system is not at its tip-top shape. When you become pregnant, the woman's immune system becomes depressed, and that's because the body is smart and it lowers its immunity such that the fetus can, can thrive. The fetus is considered a foreign object, a foreign body, which if the mother's immune system didn't depress itself, you know, the mother's body would attack it because it's a foreign uh, object within the body. So the immune system in pregnancy is depressed. Added to that, as that uterus starts growing, it grows up against the diaphragm and it basically kind of squeezes the lung. So your lung capacity is the same as it was pre-pregnancy. So now with those two things going on, um, let's add COVID into the picture 
and COVID has a pretty high infectivity rate, and it likes those bodies where there is something going on with the immune system, the immune system being depressed or a situation where you have a medical condition where um, there's a, a constant state of inflammation, um, like diabetes, like hypertension, like obesity. You know, those are states of inflammation. So you are at an an elevated risk. So have there been complications that I've seen in my uh, neck of the woods and in my perinatal world? Yes, unfortunately. I would say that if I'm looking at the the worst outcomes that I've had, and I've, I've had a couple of deaths, they have come from women who are diabetic and poorly controlled. Hmm. Wow. So how does diabetes affect pregnancy? Well, diabetes can can really uh, mess you up if it's not uh, well controlled. For the mother, it can impact uh, the eyes when you're pregnant. There's a thing called diabetic retinopathy, which for whatever reason during pregnancy, abnormal vessels can grow into the retina the back of the eye, they can contract, pull the retina off and cause blindness. So every pregnant woman who is diabetic goes to the ophthalmologist so they can do an ophthalmologic exam, look in the back of the eyes and make sure there are not any aberrant vessels growing into the retina. If they are, they laser them off. So that's one thing that can happen. The other thing is diabetes impacts your heart, your kidneys, okay? Um, and it can impair your, your renal function. It can impair your, your cardiovascular system. So again, every pregnant woman, uh, they get an evaluation of their kidney function as well as their cardiovascular function. Now for the baby, that can cause some serious, uh, deficits. Uh, babies of moms who are poorly controlled when they conceive have an increased risk of having uh, what's known as a diabetic embryopathy. Uh, and just to break well, it yeah, down. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't have my medical dictionary. With me. No, break it down. Don't break it, break it down. It. Break it down for us. So, um, and that involves three systems. The brain and the spinal cord don't develop normally. So, you know, the top of the brain could be missing. You know, there's a big open cavity there or pieces of brain could be hanging out. There could be spinal cord not formed correctly, spinal cord hanging out the back. Um, those are called neural tube defects, specifically defects of the brain and spinal cord. The other thing that can happen is the heart does not form normally, and there are various nuances of that where there are holes in the heart, where... Um, all of the chambers don't form normally. You might have uh, three chambers that have formed normally, and the fourth one is real small and doesn't function. So there are a number of things that can happen with the heart. And then the other thing that can happen is something that's called a mermaid baby, where the legs fuse into basically a mermaid fin. Um, the medical term for that is serenomalia. Um, but those are the three specific anomalies that can occur during a pregnancy in a poorly controlled 
diabetic. So, so, that's, um, so for, what do they need to do to control this? I mean, this well, that's, that's some serious stuff. That's some stuff, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if a diabetic is thinking of uh, getting pregnant, it's really important to have a preconceptual visit with your doctor to get yourself in control. And by getting yourself in control at least three to six months before you conceive, that decreases the incidence of um, um, these particular uh, anomalies developing. And in, in addition to that, it's important to take folic acid. Folic acid helps in uh, normal uh, neural tube development of the baby's brain and spinal cord. So um, it's important to get yourself in control and, and take uh, folic acid supplements. Wow. High risk, you know, and you talk about high risk. And when you throw out things like diabetes, HIV, hypertension, obesity, those are typically things or, or words that you hear in the African-American community, communities, Absolutely. Of, communities of colors. Why is that so in those communities, those diseases? Well, well, you know, if you really kind of take a look at things, um, when you look at your great-grandparents, look at what their diet was. Their diet was primarily vegetarian. You didn't see the obesity, you didn't see the heart disease, you didn't see a lot of um, the diabetes in your your grandparents and your great-grandparents, particularly if you're from the South and they were growing their own food. Uh, fast forward, we're eating a lot more processed foods and most of the food has sugar in it, okay? And sugar... Um, is an agent that that causes a lot of uh, adverse outcomes, so to speak. Uh, Obesity. Obesity leads to heart disease, leads to diabetes. You know, those conditions are a state of constant inflammation. So in the African-American community, we... I can say do eat a lot of processed foods. We eat a lot of fried foods, um, sweet potato pies. Oh, that's good. Fried that's chicken. Oh, sweet, that's... I, it's good, but 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 not on a regular basis all the time. You know, I, I think we have learned to you know prepare our foods in a certain manner, and the manner in which we prepare a lot of our foods can be adjusted to decrease that, that incidence of the things that we see with obesity and hypertension and, and diabetes. So a lot of it um, goes back to the manner and how we prepare our foods and the foods that we are choosing to eat. So it's all a, a lot to do with diet. What about it exercise? Has a lot to do with diet. What about exercise and the type of work that's being performed today? Because when you go back to, when I think about my grandfather, my great grandparents i mean they did a lot of outdoor work my grandfather exactly my grandfather had his own lawn service and so did my dad and oh my goodness so i don't want to talk about that because i don't like doing lawns but even though i can do <laughs> but, but they worked outside is this set of, exactly uh sedentary uh sedimentary what this sedentary lifestyle is, is what we have now you know we sit at the desk we eat we sit at the desk you know we come home we sit on the couch um, you know, and I'm, I'm just as 
much to blame for that as as anybody else. But I, I think there also should be a recognition of the fact that exercise does play an important part in uh, maintaining your health and keeping your, particularly your cardiovascular health. So getting back to this high risk and in the uh, African-American community, communities of color, why is it that the death rate of black mothers higher than that of white mothers? Well, that's a whole nother subject. And and that's the mothers <laughs> not even talking about infant mortality. The babies. Well, yeah. you know, it, it's it's a multifactorial thing. Um, I think, you know, a portion of it has to do with late prenatal care, uh, lack of prenatal care, um, substance abuse, um, uh a lot of it has to do with how they're treated once they get into the medical system, the bias that goes along with that, the racism, things being ignored, not being offered the same uh, procedures or therapies that uh, would be offered to a white woman. Um, I think that those are a lot of the factors that, that play into it, definitely. So how can uh, blacks get better treatment, um, better health care um, today? Well, you know, I don't think that that's a, a one-shot answer. I think, well, I think many things. Um, one of the things that I do think preclude to a lot of the things that we see is the undercurrent of, of stress, um, which I think makes women of color in particular more susceptible to adverse perinatal outcomes. You know, if you're living in a, in a society where you're not being heard and in a system where you're not being heard and not being offered uh, a lot of things that are considered standard of care in comparison to uh, people of other ethnicities, um, not having the same financial opportunities or um, social opportunities, you know, that, that creates an undercurrent of stress. And stress can impact multiple body systems. Stress can impact the manner in which your blood vessels act. Now, one of the things that you see as far as um, the top things that cause perinatal, adverse perinatal outcomes is hemorrhage. Um, and if your blood vessels are not functioning in the manner in which they should, uh, you have an increased risk of hemorrhage. Uh, stress causes a depletion of your immune functionality. Um, infection is one of the other things that you see as being one of the top tier causes of adverse perinatal outcome in our community. Um, infection leads to preterm labor. Uh, preterm labor um, leads to, you know, babies born with issues, issues with their lungs, with their eyes. Um, a, a lot of things go into that. We have a lot of hypertension in our, in our uh, community. So uh, chronic stress, increases your blood pressure. So there are things which 
indirectly can impact our health um, once you consider these as being epigenetic causes, meaning there's an external cause which causes your body to function in a particular way that's not the best. So stress can impact your immune system, your cardiovascular system, um, your vascular system, your immune system. So all of these things play into, I believe, what we're seeing as far as black maternal health is concerned. The other thing that I think is really important to mention is the nutritional aspect of um, of what we see in the community, in the black community. Um, I'm a very big proponent on nutrition, particularly on certain supplements. Um, Vitamin D is uh, one of the things that I think is really important for people of color to know about. Vitamin D is a vitamin that's made in the skin in conjunction with sunlight. Uh, For people of color, we have melanin, which inhibits the production of vitamin D. So just by virtue of the fact that uh, you have melanin in your skin, that decreases concentration of vitamin D that you have in your body. Uh, And certainly given the fact that COVID is hanging around and everybody's in the house, your exposure to sun is diminished. So that further diminishes the production of vitamin D in your body. Vitamin D is very important for a lot of things. It's important for bone development, for mom and baby. Vitamin D is important for your mentation and it it, it helps with mood. Vitamin D is important in cardiovascular um, functionality. Vitamin D is really important in immune function. It boosts your immune function. And vitamin D is also correlated with Uh, the incidence of preterm labor if you're deficient. So if nothing is gained from our conversation, I'm hopeful that people will recognize um, the importance of vitamin D in, in our bodies. Pregnant women should have a vitamin D serum level of at least 40 nanograms per uh, milliliter or higher. Um, I think it's really important that you get tested, and there are a number of ways that you can uh, test it. You can test it yourself. There's a great uh, website called powerofd.org where you can get a test kit as well as information on various vitamins and how they interact in your body, or you can ask your doctor to uh, check your your level. Um, At this particular website, you can also get a free... um, little um, object which kind of gives you uh, parameters on how much vitamin D you should be taking based on what level uh, you you get. So vitamin D, like I said, if nothing else, I'm hopeful that the audience really listens to that and gets their vitamin D checked. Uh, Vitamin D also uh, has been correlated with better outcomes if you're values are within normal range if you happen to contract COVID. So, yeah, I was going to get into that. You talk about vitamin D as a supplement. From a a food perspective in nutrition, what are some of the things that uh, mothers can eat to aid in a better pregnancy? Um, 
Well, certainly fresh fruits and vegetables, um, lean meat. Uh, I don't, I'm not a big proponent of frying a lot of things. Certainly every once in a while, some fried chicken is a wonderful thing to have. But I wouldn't do that on a, you know, on an everyday basis. You know, baking and broiling lean meats, fresh vegetables. I'm not a big proponent on a lot of sugary drinks. Certainly if you're diabetic, I, you know, I want to hear about you eating cakes and, and drinking sodas because, you know, then I'll have to look at you with the crazy eye and we'll have to <laughs> no, talk about You don't want the crazy eye. <laughs> don't, don't talk about the... why your blood sugars are so high. Well, Donna, so, you know, I just had a little bit. I just had a little bit before I came home. I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. You know, on the holidays, I give people a pass. But, you know, if we eating cakes and pies and, you know, drinking, you know. You I had know. to have that Coca-Cola. I had to have that <laughs> I, I, had know, a headache. So. I had a headache, so I just took a exactly. Exactly, I hear a lot of that. So, yeah. Wow. So, you know, what about infant mortality? You know, our- well, in our community, there's a lot of preterm labor. Um, there's a lot of low birth weight babies. Um, there's a lot of neonatal. Um, morbidity and mortality, and it pretty much centers around prematurity. Um, a lot of preterm deliveries are occurring mainly because of infection. Um, one thing that I, I should note, you know, research has shown that the vaginal flora of some black women is different than other ethnicities. We, for some, lack certain bacteria that are in the vagina that maintain a good balance. Um, and when these certain bacteria are lacking, what happens is there's an overgrowth of bad bacteria, which can ascend up the canal into the uterus and, and you know, cause infections, which ultimately lead to preterm labor. Uh, the particular bacteria that I'm talking about that's the good bacteria is called lactobacillus. Lactobacilli are found in yogurt. So if you want to keep a healthy vagina and preclude, you know, infections and so forth and so on, you know, it's good to to eat yogurt. If you don't like yogurt, you can go to the health food store and get a bottle of acidophilus tablets. And acidophilus contain these good bacteria which help to keep the vagina um, in good balance and keep out the infectious agents, which can preclude to preterm labor. COVID-19 has everybody on lockdown, a lot of time Mm -hmm. at home, potential baby boom. What Mm -hmm. happens if a mother contracts COVID while pregnant? What are the, what are the implications there? Well, you know, there are, or can be, let's put it that way, a lot of implications. Now, what I find pretty interesting is when the first wave of COVID hit, um, I, I had a lot of sick patients, a lot of patients in the ICU with um, respiratory issues and respiratory failure. And like I said, I had a few deaths of those patients who were poorly controlled diabetics, okay? Now, when the second wave hit, the mothers are not as sick. Um, You know, I have 
few ICU admissions. I haven't had any deaths, but what I what um, I do see are some cardiovascular or some heart issues in the babies. What I'm seeing sometimes is that you know there can be fluid around the baby's heart if mommy has COVID. Um, so that's one thing that um, I'm, I'm noticing. Um, sometimes the mother can have, an, you know, issues with her heart, uh, a myocarditis or an inflammation of the heart. Uh, they are predisposed to developing clots. So if mommy has is positive for COVID, they have to be on a blood thinner throughout their pregnancy and a couple of weeks post delivery. Um, of course, pulmonary issues. Uh, I have not seen any strokes. But I have seen clots in arms and legs. I have seen uh, heart issues. Um, no death, at least not with the second wave. So those are some of the main things that uh, I anecdotally have been seeing. Certainly COVID <clears throat> can present with a lot of other things. It can impact your skin. It can uh, impact uh, your kidneys, but I have not seen that. It can impact your eyes. I have I have not seen that in pregnancy. What what I have seen is the increased clotting. Um, I've seen uh, the heart issues for mom and baby for the most part. Okay, so so is the virus itself transferred to the baby, or is it the complications that the mother has impacts the baby? Well, the virus can go across the placenta. Oh, it can? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, have a, I, I, I have not seen many babies born with it. Certainly, there have been babies born with COVID. But um, with the second wave, I, I haven't come across any. First wave, yeah, we did see that. And I, can't, I cannot understand why that is. I, I don't know. I don't know why that occurred as opposed to what we see now. I find it interesting. That is very, very interesting. So what is the Black Maternal Health Momnibus Act of 2020? Well, I have been involved in a lot of organizations, certainly that contend with Black Maternal Health. Um, one of the organi organizations being the Association of Black Cardiologists. Um, I, I'm very much interested in cardiovascular disease uh, in pregnancy, uh, where I am working in the Bronx. For whatever reason, there's a lot of cardiovascular disease there. Um, and I guess it's because of the obesity, the hypertension, and the diabetes that we see. So with that being said, um, one of the things that we have addressed, not only is cardiovascular disease, but to support this Momnibus bill. So that's how I kind of got involved with this Momnibus bill. Um, what this bill is, is a series of 12 areas that are felt to impact black maternal health. And, and these, this bill, this Momnibus bill, was proposed by Congresswoman Adams, um, and it's a series of 12 things uh, that, let me just give you a quick summary to run through them. 
to make critical investments in social determinants of health that influence maternal health health outcomes like adequate housing, um, having transportation to actually get to the doctor's appointment, nutrition, you know, nutritional supplements, providing funding to community-based organizations. There are a lot of organizations out there that, you know, really pretend to black maternal health like um, Mamas, Black Mamas Matter, you know, the Black Mama Alliance, you know, those types of organizations comprehensively study the unique maternal health risks facing pregnant and postpartum veterans and support VA maternity care coordination programs. Grow and diversify the perinatal workforce to ensure that every mom in America receives culturally congruent maternity care and support, you know, that, and the, the wording is really important, culturally congruent, okay? So what works in Iowa for prenatal care is not necessarily going to work in the South Bronx, okay? True. So you, you need to be culturally uh, competent to deal with your particular demographic. You need to improve data collection processes and quality measures to better understand the causes of the maternal health crisis in the U.S. Support moms with maternal mental health conditions and substance use orders, disorders. You know, there is a, a high concentration of yeah, moms out there that have significant psychiatric illnesses, schizophrenia, bipolar, you know, anxiety disorders, depression, you know, and these these mental conditions can impact perinatal outcomes, you know. They might not show up for prenatal care. They might want to try and harm themselves in their developing baby. They might want to try and harm the baby after it's born. So, you know, you need to be cognizant and of these conditions and, and, and support it. Improve maternal care and support for incarcerated moms, you know, for those mothers that are in prison. What kind of prenatal care are they getting, if any? Um, invest in digital tools like telehealth to improve maternal health outcomes in underserved areas. You know, there's portions of the country where it's kind of hard to get to uh, a doctor, much less a subspecialist like myself. So in situations like that, telehealth might be a, an option to help decrease, you know, some bad perinatal outcomes. Promote innovative payment models to incentivize high-quality maternal care and non-clinical perinatal support. You know, that's important, you know. Um, how are you getting paid for a lot of the telehealth things? Certainly with the time of COVID, been, there's been legislation promoted to allow um, telehealth uh, models uh, to be had and to be paid for. But, you know, moving forward and, and uh, having this to be another alternative methodology of, of care uh, for uh, pregnant women, you know, that's something that really needs to be enhanced. Invest in community-based initiatives to reduce levels 
of an exposure to climate change-related risk for moms and babies. If you're living in an urban environment, um, you're going to be exposed to a lot of, um, you know, exhaust fumes and, uh, you know, those types of things which can impact the air that you're breathing. If you're asthmatic or have uh, lung conditions, that, that poses a problem. And the last thing is to promote maternal vaccinations to protect the health and safety of moms and babies, you know, COVID vaccine, flu vaccine, you know, whooping cough vaccine, you know, those types of things are very helpful um, to decrease the uh, types of complications that we can see if they're untreated and not vaccinated for. So has this legislation been passed or is it still in the works? It's still in the works. I am sure that any day it, it has been proposed. Well, it has been proposed. So now we're just kind of, kind of waiting. So what's your, what are your thoughts about it? Think Is it getting a lot of sponsorship, a lot of support? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. So I, I do believe that um, we're going to see some positive benefits from it once it's passed. So ov- overall um, birth rates, you know, in the United States, across the African-American community, pre-COVID and now during COVID, are are the birth rates going down? Because I often hear, you know, other ethnic populations are on the rise, but in the African-American community, it's either falling or holding pretty much steady. Is that is there some truth to that? And are there reasons behind that? Um, I would say, you know, for the most part, if we're looking at this from a statewide perspective, I would say it's probably um, holding steady. Um, there are certain other ethnicities where it's increasing, like the Hispanic uh, demographic, certainly. Um, but I would say for uh, the African diaspora, it's for the most part holding steady. Uh, it would be interesting to see what the statistics are at the end of 2021, um, just to compare them. Uh, pre-COVID to post-COVID, just to take a look at the actual numbers. But anecdotally, I can say that, um, you know, in in my demographic where I am, there seems to be a baby boom going on. And the demographic that I serve is primarily um, the African diaspora and Hispanic uh, population. Hmm. Prenatal care. Mm Mm-hmm. Why is it so important? Well, uh, first of all, if you have an underlying condition like diabetes, as I discussed before, mm-hmm. uh, it's important to you know get these comorbid conditions under control before you get pregnant because not only can it have an impact on your health, it can have an impact on how your baby develops and whether or not your baby is going to come to term or you can have a stillbirth. So um, it's really important. You know, there are conditions that can be addressed early, uh, intervention early to prevent, you know, a a perinatal disaster. What can we do as a community to help get information out about how important this is. Is there anything that you specifically recommend? Are there organizations out there that, you know, faith-based communities can partner with to get this information out there so that people know? Well, certainly um, venues such as yours, 
which is why I'm I'm one of the reasons why I'm on uh, to to you know let uh, your listeners know about this. Uh, look at uh, your your television. Certainly, there are shows, particularly within the public broadcasting uh, arena, uh, touting uh, perinatal care. Um, certainly, any hospital system has some type of community alignment uh, with various organizations within the community, be they faith-based or what have you. There are organizations, National Medical um, Association, which is basically um, an organization of all the black doctors within the states and some of the islands. Um, they have a lot of information going out there. Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine, uh, the American College of OBGYN. You know, there's a lot of information online. There's a lot of information uh, on, you know, Facebook and podcasts and webinars. So the information is out there. Certainly, there have been a lot of uh, community um, entanglements with uh, churches. So there's information out there. How do you get people to see the importance of it? It's out there, but how do you get them to see that it's important, that it's relevant, that it will make a difference? How do you get that light bulb to come on based upon your experiences in this field? Well, you know, pregnancy is a time where um, you're going to do right. For the most part, you're going to do right because it's not just you. It's what you do impacting your baby. So I find that, you know, the best time in a, a woman's life to get the message across is when she's pregnant. That That's been my experience. So... For the most part, if you speak in a manner that is readily understandable, not talking medicalese, but you know, talking sister to sister, then you know, I've I've had good success with, you know, just just talking to the woman, but speaking like I'm talking to my girlfriend. Don't don't talk in medicalese. Um, actually, speak in a manner that's readily understandable. Show pictures draw pictures, you know, when I diagnose somebody with a particular issue, yeah, it's good to tell them, well, this is this, this is is that. But what hits home is when you start showing pictures. This is what I mean by such and such. This is what happened. So, you know, I think it's important to have a good rapport. I think it's important for um, the woman to be involved with a provider that listens um, and that can break it down and speak in a manner that's readily understood. If there were or was one thing that you could do right now, um, you know, money wasn't an issue, you know, legislation wasn't an issue. If you could just do one thing right now that would make this whole system uh, better, the whole concept of pregnancy better, if you could just say it, and it's done tomorrow, what would that be, Dr. Gaither? Hmm. I would make sure that every um, pregnant woman um, gets care by a provider that actually cares. 
That's deep. Whole concept of caring. Mm-hmm. That. Yep. That, that that one got me silent because <laughs> it because it makes you think that you know there are, are people out there who may be in the profession that are doing it and not caring it, there you just, go you're just a number you're just a pass through i've got to exactly. spend my, my seven ten minutes with you and i move on to exactly. the next and i file for my billing and i get paid and trust and believe that exists and so that is because you know I, you know, I, I just share with my listening audience, I'm, I'm very open. I mean, I, I share when my doctors and I see quite a few of them, um, specialists and also at the VA, um, because I have an autoimmune disease, but I really like to talk to my doctors that will listen to me and hear mm-hmm. and, and spend time. And I will tell you, um, with the exception of a few, the majority of, of my, my doctors are women. Uh, really? Yes. The majority, okay. The majority of my doctors, uh, my primary care physician, physician, um, is a woman. My at the VA, even in my capital health plan, um, my rheumatologist, um, whom I see because of the lupus, um, is a is a woman, and I mm-hmm. found that I've had better care, and better conversations, better dialogue, and more information with. Uh, women doctors. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so it, it goes back to that having somebody that really cares. And, you know, and it's hard to get men to go to the doctor. And so, you know, yeah. and when I go, it's like, look, I'm paying you. I need you to listen to me. And I had one run in with, with the male doctor. And I was just like, nah, this ain't working. Because I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I like this, 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 this is not working. And then, you know, being a man, it's like, dude, you're going to respect me too. You know? mm-hmm. So I was like, right, he got to go. Uh, he won't be getting any more of my money. But I, that's why. I and and that, that's another important thing, you know, that I think your listening audience, you know, if it ain't working, move on to somebody that it works with. You don't have to stay there. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to. What would you say to, oh, go ahead. If you had something else you want to. No, I mean, you know, a lot of people feel like, oh, well, you know, I'll just stay. No, you, you don't have to stay. Exercise your, your options, you know. Another thing that I think is really important is the concept of doulas in prenatal care. Doulas are not um, health care providers, but what they do are they provide advocacy for the patient and knowledge such that they can navigate the medical uh, arena a lot better um, with pertinent information. So that's also another uh, arena that should be explored. Doulas. Doulas. Dr. Gaither, mm-hmm. this has been a great conversation. I, that's why I like to have them. I mean, I've learned a lot. You know, when you said you wanted, you know, wanted to be a surgeon at an early age, I wanted to be a cardiovascular surgeon when I was in high school. I, I really did. But when I got to school at the University of Florida, I just found out not that I couldn't do it. Medicine just wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a sacrifice. Trust and believe. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. I was like, you know, this chemistry, all this. Mm-hmm. I, was like, I was like, this stuff. I mean, not that I couldn't do it, but I was just like, biology. Oh, then it's, I was just like, nah, let me get over into the world of business. 
So my, my hat's off to to physicians. Doctor, where could my listening audience go and find out more about you and, and connect with you in the digital age? Well, I am on uh, LinkedIn. I have a Twitter account uh, at Keisha Gaither, MD, and I have a website, uh, com. Now, let me spell my name because, you know, it's not the typical spelling for Keisha. <laughs> my name is spelled K-E-C-I-A, last name, G-A-I-T-H-E-R, KeishaGaither.com. All right. Go there, please. I've already visited her site. Great information. Great, great information. Um, Thank you. We have one final question for you as we bring this great interview to a close. You've always known what you wanted to do from an early age. You really enjoy uh, dealing with high risk uh, when it comes to being an OBGYN. When it's all said and done, and you look at your life, and someone would ask you this question, what would be your answer? And that question is, Dr. Gaither, and all that you've done, all that you experience, all that you want to do, what matters most to you? Um, as far as uh, in the medical arena? It could be in life. You can answer it several um, times. If it's you know, if, if I'm looking at it from a medical standpoint, what matters to me is that a healthy mother goes home with a healthy baby. That's what matters to me. You know, the last thing you want is a mother who comes in pregnant and goes home alone. That's the worst. So what matters to me is that mommy and baby both go home healthy, go home healthy. after delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I concur. I remember that day when we brought him home. Life was never the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. Life was never yeah. the same, but it was enjoyable. And uh, he's a treasure. And now he's at University of Central Florida spending our money. But Good. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Wouldn't have it any other way. Wouldn't have it exactly. any, any other way. And he, he's he's one of my biggest motivators and critics. And he will, he will give me advice. And he'll listen to this podcast and, and say, Dad, I think you need to do this next time. But that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Gaither, it's truly been a pleasure um, having you on Mr. Speaker Speaks. I've learned so much by speaking with oh, you. God. I'm glad and I'm hopeful that um, your listeners did as well. And it has been a pleasure. And thank you for having me. Um, it's been a blast. All right. And if you, you know, if there's anything that comes up in your field and you think people should know about it, reach out. I would love to have you and welcome you back on Mr. Speaker Speaks. Okay. No problem. No problem at all. You know how to get in contact with me and, um, you know, just, just let me know. We'll do. Let me know. We'll do. And the pleasure has been all mine and keep doing all the great things that you do and working with people and helping those mothers. You know, um, you know, one thing that comes to mind about mothers is this poem, this little inscription, you know, it said that a man may work from son to son, but a mother's work is never done. And so, you know, keep doing all the things that you do to help these new and upcoming mothers. I shall, and thank you so much. You're welcome.
We're getting ready to, to leave today. Just want to let you know, you've been listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks. Remember, just check me out on the internet at vincenttedwards.com or join the online community at vincentondemand.com. Remember, in all that you do, be magnificent. Until next time, be good, be blessed, but most of all, be a blessing to someone. <laughs>